millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 35 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. To hear more and help support the podcast, our book They Walk Among Us is available now. Ten haunting and gripping cases that we have not covered on the podcast. You can purchase our book They Walk Among Us in most major bookshops or online in paperback, ebook, or audiobook. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. When the internet and social media evolved, it created another method through which stalkers could intimidate their victims. In 2012, stalking laws were introduced in England and Wales, which included cyber-stalking. For some victims, it was too little too late. They had already lost their lives. Lorna Smith separated from her husband and the father to her only child in 2001. She struggled with the separation. They had been together for 20 years. Lorna stopped eating and was frequently seen fighting back the tears. She then moved to Shirley and Croydon with her daughter. A year later, now ready to start dating, Lorna joined an online chat group. 
Unexpectedly, she came across someone who she was familiar with, though she hadn't spoken to them in some time. Clifford Mills had been the best man at her wedding, but since then they had lost touch. Now both single, the pair struck up a conversation. Within a week, they decided to meet. Following a whirlwind courtship over the course of six weeks, Clifford Mills had moved into Lorna's home. A young teenage daughter, Louise, was uncomfortable with Mills and the speed at which he moved in. She would later say, At first he was really nice and would take us both on days out to make a good impression. But as time went on and his feet were firmly under the table, he stopped making an effort and became controlling and lazy. He would lounge on the sofa all day, demanding cups of tea or something from upstairs. I would refuse, but mum would do it. Mum liked to please people. While Lorna worked full-time and kept a tidy home, Mills was unemployed, contributing little. He had a temper and was often heard boasting about his past as a football hooligan. After three years of living with her mother and Clifford Mills, a divide between parent and child had developed, and Louise had had enough. At 16, she left home to live with her father. During this time, Mills exerted control over Lorna, further widening the fracture in her relationship with her daughter. By now, Louise had been cut out of her mother's life almost entirely. Louise made attempts to reconnect with her mother, but was always being watched by Mills. Lorna was incessantly being told what to do and when to do it. There was unbalance and control in her mother's relationship according to her daughter. Mills decided where every penny of the household income went and where the couple spent their free time. Louise told a reporter for a local newspaper, the Sutton and Croydon Guardian, about Clifford Mills' alter ego, which he called Stan. Mum used to tell me about Stan. She would say, Stan's about, and we would laugh and joke about it because it meant he was not in a good mood. For him to say it was Stan, and he was in a bad mood, was just an excuse. Mills used the name Stan because of his love of Laurel and Hardy films. Stan Laurel being the slim and perpetually flustered half of the comedy duo. In 2006, after four years together, Lorna ended the relationship, but Clifford Mills didn't move out of the house until two years later. Lorna, who worked at a Sainsbury supermarket in West Wickham, was advised to cut ties with the former bouncer Mills by her daughter. But Lorna could not bring herself to throw him out, fearing that he would carry out what he often threatened, taking his own life. So the days passed with the pair living under the same roof but not as a couple. In April 2007, Louise became a mother to her first child and Lorna was thrilled to become a grandmother. But for 12 more months, Clifford Mills still remained living in the family home.
Clifford Mills eventually moved out into his own flat, about eight miles away in Brixton Hill. Despite now living apart, it appeared as though Mills still had a psychological hold over Lorna. She visited his home every week to clean the entire flat. But in 2010, things were changing for the better, it seemed. Louise had a second baby, and Lorna had met a new man online. By July that year, she excitedly told Louise about the fledgling romance with a successful property developer, Charlie Manning. They had been in contact via social media for about a year. Instead of excitement, Lorna's news was met with caution. Charlie Manning's Facebook profile raised the suspicions of her daughter Louise. Manning had added Lorna as a friend without knowing her. She was just his third friend on the social networking site. His profile picture was a love heart with a white background, not a photograph. Further red flags were raised when Lorna's invitations to meet up were rebuffed with excuses of work and other interruptions. However, with constant flattery and promises of a new house, car and a life together, Lorna was swept off her feet. Her daughter was concerned and in a passing comment warned her mother, he could be a murderer. The mysterious Charlie Manning conversed with Lorna about Clifford Mills and he advised her that she should stay in contact with him as, quote, he must still need you as a friend. Lorna continued to clean Mills' flat, partly upon the advice of Charlie Manning. Her daughter began to realise that Charlie Manning was not who he claimed to be and tried to break the news to Lorna. She had shared some of her most intimate secrets with a man who did not exist. He was just a character Clifford Mills had made up to keep hold of his ex-partner, in conjunction with the constant calls and text messages Lorna received. While Louise was concerned, at the time her mother did not think there was a connection between Clifford Mills and Charlie Manning. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In October of that year, Lorna had moved on. She met a new partner, Tony Hersey, through a friend at work and was in a happy, loving relationship. In January 2011, She told Charlie Manning that she had met someone else, unaware that he was in fact Clifford Mills. Mills still wanted to keep control of his ex-partner, but there had been a sea change. Oblivious that Mills was Charlie Manning, who she had been chatting to online, Lorna also told Mills about the relationship. In a text she wrote, Things are changing, and it is time to move on got myself a lovely bloke. But she still didn't sever all ties with Mills and had seen him since she broke the news. A meeting between the two had gone smoothly. That same month, Lorna and her new partner Tony went to her eldest grandchild's third birthday party. Lorna's daughter Louise could see a difference in her mother and she told Tony it was the happiest she had seen her since Louise was 11 years old. She was so glad her mother had found someone she could trust. At the start of February 2011, things were going so well between Lorna and Tony they moved in together. But Clifford Mills still cast a dark shadow over Lorna's life. A day after the move on February 2nd, Mills asked her to come over to his flat. He was in serious trouble with the police. He was on bail accused of sexually assaulting a girl under the age of 13. He had paperwork to sort out and asked for Lorna's help. Shortly before Lorna turned up at the flat, Mills posted a status update on Facebook that suggested Stan could not be stopped. Following the excitement of moving in with his new partner, Tony was worried when Lorna didn't return home that evening. Understandably concerned, he contacted the police. Lorna arrived at Clifford Mills' flat at about 3pm. Her new partner had offered to go with her, but Lorna told him not to worry. She was planning on telling Mills face-to-face that she was going to stop seeing him. She had moved on and wanted a fresh start. After she came out of the toilet, just 20 minutes after arriving at the home, Clifford Mills brutally attacked Lorna Smith with a pickaxe handle. Neighbours remember hearing a woman screaming around this time. Mills stabbed Lorna seven times and then slit her throat with a kitchen knife. 
He had followed instructions. He had searched online for the best way to murder someone. Mills left the flat with money he had taken from Lorna's purse, carrying two bags. Two knives were later discovered in the bags, as well as some clothing. He used public transport to travel to Soho to start a drinking binge that lasted nearly 14 hours, using the money he had stolen from Lorna. On the way, he had stashed the bags in a basement of a block of flats near the Dartmouth Castle pub in Hammersmith, West London. At 5am, worse for wear after his long night in Soho, Clifford Mills stumbled into the a reception of St Thomas Hospital telling the receptionist he was a psychiatric patient. He said, I need to see someone. I really need to speak to someone. Once I've told you what I've done, you're going to have to call the police. He said he had killed the love of his life and continued by saying, Stan has killed Lorna. You need to call the police. I love her. Stan hates her. He killed her. Mills was asked who Stan was, and he replied, Stan is in my head. Stan took a knife to her throat. According to a neighbour of Clifford's, Esther Annim, the police had broken down his door on Morrish Road in Brixton at around 5.30am. They discovered the lifeless body of 45-year-old Lorna Smith in the living room on the sofa. An orange plastic bag from a Sainsbury's supermarket had been forced over her head. A pickaxe handle and a kitchen knife were near her body, and Lorna's left wrist was shattered, most likely during the struggle. The flat was filled with the sound of a single song playing on repeat. It was Stop the Clocks, written by Noel Gallagher. A portion of the lyrics read, Stop the clocks and turn the world around. Let your love lay me down. And when the night is over, there'll be no sound. Lock the box and leave it all behind on the back seat of my mind. And when the night is over, where will I rise? Due to CCTV throughout London's transport system, police were able to trace where Clifford Mills had been in the 14 hours after he killed Lorna. CCTV cameras showed him taking a bus, then the underground tube to Chelsea, then Hammersmith, where he hid the two bags he was carrying. He then headed to Soho before arriving at the hospital hours later and admitting what he had done. Before her death, Lorna had worked at a branch of Sainsbury's in West Wickham. The supermarket store manager said, Lorna was a popular colleague and we were very sad to hear she had died. Our sympathies go to her family at this time. 
two local newspaper reporters, Mike Didymus and Harry Miller, spoke to Lorna's neighbours. One resident who wished to remain nameless said, She was a quiet lady. She was always willing to stop and chat. She liked her own space but was a nice neighbour. Everyone here is absolutely gutted because we all knew Lorna and we also knew Cliff because he used to come around over the years. She lived for Louise and her grandchildren. That's all she spoke about. They were her life. I am absolutely devastated because she was such a nice lady. I just can't believe it has happened. When Clifford Mills went to trial at the Old Bailey during January 2012, physically, he was a shadow of his former bold-headed burly self. The effects of an ongoing hunger strike meant he was too weak to walk. He used a wheelchair and sat in the well of the court. Previously clean-shaven, he now had a beard and wore a prison-issue grey tracksuit and a pair of burgundy slippers. He appeared to be older than a man in his late forties. He chose not to give evidence, remaining silent as the proceedings unfolded. His defence counsel told the court that Mills denied murder and claimed his client was suffering from a mental abnormality at the time of Lorna Smith's death. So extensive was the attack, it proved difficult to know the exact injury that had ended her life. A post-mortem of Lorna's body noted multiple injuries that could have caused her death. Though Mills had claimed when he killed Lorna Smith he was suffering from a mental disorder, this was disputed by the prosecutor. For the prosecution, Zoe Johnson QC addressed jurors, telling them, This is a case of murderous jealousy. This was a planned killing. The two bags full of his belongings were clearly going away bags. There simply would not have been enough time to collect the carefully chosen items in two bags after the murder. Furthermore, the defendant made a series of rational decisions, getting on and off various tubes and buses. The time in which neighbours had heard a woman screaming and when Mills was captured on CCTV making his journey after the events corresponded perfectly as the prosecution laid out their case. The court was presented with logs of Clifford Mill's search history on his computer. He had looked up various phrases in January, a month before he murdered Lorna. They included Samurai Sword Sale, Death Points, and Killing With a Knife. Mills visited an internet forum which described some of the ways you could kill someone and what weapons could be used to end someone's life. The jury at the Old Bailey were told about Clifford Mills' persistent contact with Lorna Smith and his online moniker of Charlie Manning which he created to manipulate her even further. They heard the police had recovered over 80 pages of messages through Facebook and MSN between Charlie Manning and Lorna Smith. Within the exchanges, it was evident that Lorna Smith was unaware that Charlie Manning was in fact Clifford Mills, as she wrote, Cliff threatened me. He said if I was a man, he would cut my throat. 
Further evidence included Mill's verbal exchange with the receptionist at the hospital when he handed himself in, and how he referred to the murderer as Stan. Professor Coyd, an expert in forensic psychology, gave evidence on behalf of the defence and bolstered Mill's claim that he had a psychological impairment at the time of the murder. The expert witness said Clifford Mills had a borderline personality disorder and Stan would make an appearance in his head when he was angry or agitated. Mills had claimed he loved Lorna, but it was Stan that despised her after she ended their relationship. Mills believed Lorna Smith broke off the relationship because he was, quote, not manly enough due to being sexually impotent. This was something that Lorna had divulged when corresponding with Charlie Manning, an online alias that Clifford Mills had created to stalk Lorna. This made, quote, Stan feel enraged, and it reached boiling point on February 2nd when, according to Mills, Stan was furious and kept telling him to hurt, hurt, hurt. Mills was jealous and angry after finding out Lorna Smith had met and was now living with someone else. She had moved on and had almost freed herself from the psychological grip Clifford Mills had over her before she was brutally murdered by a man who could not let her go. On February 3rd, 2012, a year to the day after police found Lorna's body, the jury took just 90 minutes to reject Clifford Mills' plea of manslaughter by diminished responsibility and found him guilty of murder. Clifford Mills' expression was unchanged as the verdict was read aloud, but emotions ran high as Lorna's loved ones watched the proceedings from the public gallery. One relative wept and shouted as they were leaving the old bailey, Lorna lives in us, you murdering bastard. Tony Smith, Lorna's brother, said after the court case, Lorna was an honest, decent and innocent woman and how she could ever have been involved with this pure evil and manipulative man is beyond us. But again... She never judged people harshly, which is testament to her true personality. In a moving victim impact statement, Lorna's daughter Louise told the court, Mum said while she was there she was planning to tell him she didn't want to see him again and that she was happy with her new boyfriend and wanted to move on completely. I'm making this statement to try and put into words the impact my mother's death has had on my family and me. My mother's name was Lorna Smith, and I loved her with all my heart. There is not a day that goes by that I don't think about her. When my mum was killed, I was nearly three months pregnant. On September 6th, I had a baby girl, Cara. Words cannot describe the anguish I feel that mum was not here to see her and Kara will never know her. I have mum's ashes at home with me, as I want to feel close to her. I know the injuries she sustained, and I struggle to get these images out of my head. 
sometimes I have nightmares. My only hope is that justice can be done, so my beloved mum can rest in peace. Passing sentence, Judge Brian Barker QC addressed Clifford Mills, telling him, quote, The background to this case was one of selfish and manipulative behaviour. It was a shocking waste of a productive and a loyal life. This was a planned killing and an explosion of violent temper that led to the death of someone who had, over the years, done everything she could to help you. In my view, despite your problems, this was a crime arising out of jealousy and anger, and you sought to evade your responsibility. The fact is, this was a terrible act, and I have no doubt you intended to kill her. She suffered before she died, and you must take responsibility for your actions. I am moved by the words of Louise Harvey, who has lost a mother and a loving grandmother to her children. She still has nightmares about the fear and pain her mother felt. Nothing I say can turn the clock back, but I am sure she will not be forgotten. Clifford Mills was sentenced to a minimum of 21 years and sent to HMP Belmarsh in Thames Mead, South East London. Following the verdict, a detective inspector with the Homicide and Serious Crime Command, an operational command unit of the Metropolitan Police, responsible for the investigation of homicide and other serious crimes in London, addressed the argument used by Clifford Mills. D.I. John Finch told reporters, Mills' defence was that he had a split personality and that it was Stan who told him to kill Lorna. Thankfully, the jury saw through his lies and he will be facing a considerable amount of time in prison. Mills was a jealous and controlling man and killed Lorna through the sheer anger at her starting a new relationship. I hope his conviction can bring some small comfort to Lorna's family. At the time of the murder, Clifford Mills was on bail, accused of sexually assaulting a girl under the age of 13. A month after his conviction for murder, the Crown Prosecution Service had planned to continue with a trial, but on March 20th, that decision was changed. Prosecutor Zoe Johnson QC explained that it had now been decided that the case would not continue in court. She said, The decision has been reviewed with a particular eye to the public interest, and given that a total of five children would have to give evidence, together with the fact that even if he were to be convicted, he would only receive a concurrent sentence. For public interest reasons, the decision has been finally made to offer no evidence. That same month on March 8th, 2012, there was some progress in stalking laws in England and Wales. David Cameron, Prime Minister at the time, speaking after a meeting with stalking victims, told reporters, The existing law isn't good enough or strong enough. There are too many women who've been suffering from this, and I want to make sure we not only have a separate law for criminalising stalking, 
but we have better training in the police, in the probation service, in our courts, so we really get to grips with what is a dreadful crime. Sometimes it can end in violence or even murder, but in all cases, it's completely unacceptable that someone is stalked and pestered when they've said no. Commenting on the legislation, Gary Shiwan, Assistant Chief Constable with the Greater Manchester Police, who was the National Police Chief's Council Lead for Stalking and Harassment, said the changes in the law were positive steps. The key to protecting victims and alleviating the fear and harm is through everyone taking the issue seriously, through extensive awareness raising and through improved and effective response to stalking by police officers, the Crown Prosecution Service, the courts and the health service. The laws surrounding stalking and harassment include cyber-stalking. This harassment can take place on the internet and through the misuse of email, including the use of social networking sites and other forums facilitated by technology. Under the Stalking and Harassment Guidelines, the Crown Prosecution Service offer legal guidance on what constitutes cyber-stalking. For example, a perpetrator could use the internet to carry out the following activities to locate personal information about a victim, to communicate with a victim as a means of surveillance of a victim, identity thefts such as subscribing a victim to services, purchasing goods and services in their name, damaging the reputation of a victim, electronic sabotage such as spamming and sending viruses, or tricking other internet users into harassing or threatening a victim. Though these laws were brought in too late for Lorna Smith and many other victims of stalking, it was a step in the right direction. Clifford Mill's physical health deteriorated rapidly while he was in prison. An independent investigation by the Prison and Probation Ombudsman outlined his health issues. They included the following. Mills had type 2 diabetes and a history of coronary heart disease, peripheral vascular disease and suffered a stroke. Mills had poor mobility and used a wheelchair. In January 2017, prison GPs noted that his mobility had deteriorated and he appeared confused. On February 1st, Mills saw a consultant neurologist at King's College Hospital in London and investigations found that he had progressive supranuclear palsy, a severe degenerative neurological condition. The report noted a violent incident later that year. On May 14th, Mills assaulted a female healthcare assistant. Prison staff placed Mills on basic regime and removed his television. The next month, more physical health issues were treated. On June 29th, the podiatrist examined Clifford Mills again and noted that an ulcer on his right second toe was infected. A prison GP arranged for an emergency ambulance to take Mills to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Woolwich. Hospital doctors diagnosed acute osteomyelitis, an infection of the bone, 
and treated Mills with intravenous antibiotics. Then hospital doctors decided to amputate Mills' right second toe to completely remove the infection. Mills was returned to Belmarsh on July 11th. On July 28th, the prison nurse saw Mills who complained of chest pain. The nurse gave him glycerol trinitrate spray, or GTN, used to relieve the symptoms of angina, which stopped his discomfort. At 2.15am on July 28th, Mills complained of chest pain again and was taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital by emergency ambulance. The same day Mills was moved to St Thomas Hospital. Hospital doctors inserted three stents used to treat narrow or weak arteries and Mills was returned to Belmarsh on July 31st. The following week he told staff his chest hurt again. On August 8th, Mills complained of chest pain, which was relieved by GTN spray. A prison doctor discussed with Mills whether he should be resuscitated if his heart stopped. Mills signed a do-not-attempt active resuscitation order. In October, further ulcers appeared, becoming infected, and the prison doctor gave him antibiotics, but it was noted that the condition of his feet had deteriorated. At this point, Clifford Mills often refused to sleep in his bed. On November 1st, he refused to take his insulin. A prison GP assessed Mills' mental health capacity to refuse his medication and noted he was satisfied that Mills understood the risks to his health. On November 9th, the consultant cardiologist saw Mills at Queen Elizabeth Hospital. The cardiologist noted that Mills was experiencing chest pain once or twice a week and was still not taking his insulin medication. The cardiologist reminded Mills of its importance and the prisoner agreed to take his insulin. Records show that he took it as prescribed. On January 2nd, 2018, a consultant endocrinologist saw Mills in the diabetic clinic at Queen Elizabeth Hospital. The doctor noted that Mills' diabetes was poorly controlled and changed his insulin medication. The report continued to detail the decline in Clifford Mills' health. It read, On January 8th, the prison psychiatrist completed a mental capacity assessment and noted he was satisfied that Mills understood the risk to his health if he did not take his insulin. The report listed more instances of refusing medication, including insulin, and meetings with various specialists to make sure Mills knew what it meant to his health if he didn't take it. At one point, Mills said he would not take the insulin because he was unhappy with the food served in prison. Another time, he said he refused because he didn't want to be in prison and wanted to die. The appropriate monitoring was undertaken by prison staff to ensure Mills' safety. Three weeks later, after a meeting, he was deemed no longer a risk to himself and the measures were lifted. Over the next five weeks, Clifford Mills complained of chest pains on and off during the time he spent in hospital. Then on May 3rd, 2018, 55-year-old Clifford Mills an inmate at Belmarsh Prison died in hospital. 
his next of kin was his daughter. A funeral was arranged for the end of that month. Clifford Mills was six years into his life sentence. So where are we now? Louise Harvey was interviewed by a journalist for the Mirror newspaper a few months after Clifford Mills was convicted. She spoke about her mother Lorna and how she had used Facebook to deal with the loss she had suffered. I'm an only child, so she was incredibly special to me. She was my mum, my sister and my best friend. By posting messages to her, it's like she's still here. I know Facebook played a huge part in my mum's death, but I've never thought of leaving it. I use it to talk to her and tell her everything she's missing out on, like when my eldest Vinny started school. Facebook really helped me get through the early days after mum's death. All our friends and family would post tributes on her wall. It proved how much she was loved. If you are experiencing stalking and want additional help and advice, you can get in touch with the National Stalking Helpline, which is ran by the charity, the Susie Lamplew Trust. From the UK, call 0808. 802-0300 or visit suzylamplu.org forward slash stalking. Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Information on this episode can be found in the show notes or on our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Mens rea is the legal principle of criminal intent. It means literally, the guilty mind. Join me, Sinead, every fortnight to discuss Ireland and the UK's most heinous crimes and the court cases that followed. Do you want to know more about a kink killing in Dublin in 2012? Or serial killers in Scotland? Whatever your guilty pleasure, you'll find it and all the details with me. Find Mens Rea wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.